welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a weekly show that's released every Friday, and this is episode 62. On Horror Movie Podcast, you'll hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I'm your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my co-hosts tonight are... Dave Dr. Shock Becker from the Philadelphia suburb. Wolfman Josh, Medellin, Colombia. How's it going, Jen? <laughs> it's great. Thank you for being here. And everybody, Kyle Bishop will be along here shortly. But before we get to that, you guys, there is an issue of Time Magazine that I'm actually discussing here and over on Movie Podcast Weekly. And this is the answers issue. I don't know if you've seen that on newsstands. It's not that I'm a big magazine reader, but certain things will attract my attention because they will lead to the cinema. And in this magazine, it talks about a number of interesting topics, but there are two things I wanted to just start the show off with, which I think is cool. It says in here, what should Hollywood remake next? And it's talking about criteria for success and so forth. And it says something interesting about the genre that we all love. It says, horror is Hollywood's favorite genre to remake. And one in four remakes are slasher flicks. What do you think about that? So um, why, why is the horror genre Hollywood's favorite to remake? First of all, can that be true? Have there been that many slasher remakes? Like, what can we even name off the top of our head, tops of our heads? It's uh, Friday the 13th. My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> okay. My Bloody Valentine. Halloween. Maniac. Halloween. Um, Texas Maniac. Chainsaw. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, from Nightmare on Elm Street. That, is that a slasher? Well, I guess yeah. it's considered one. Yeah, I don't Freddy. know if mm-hmm. it's considered one, yeah. Okay. He sure is. Now, here's the thing, guys. I've encountered this, and I bet you the horror community will also agree. A lot of times, people who are general, I don't know, general movie types, people who aren't necessarily horror fans, they will they have a really broad spectrum of what they consider to be a slasher. In fact, many people don't understand exactly what a slasher is. Mm-hmm. They just think if there's a movie where people are getting killed, it's just automatically a slasher. So I think yeah. this yeah. is probably a very generic sense sure. of the word. It probably is. But also, if you think about it, a lot of the movies that are now being remade are 80s movies. And that's when the slashers were were big. I mean, even the ones that aren't, it's Poltergeist and... You know, so that it's right now the ones they're remaking, they're going back to the uh, back to the eighties, and that's when the slashers were were king. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So this was um, just somewhat interesting, but what was more interesting was not technically about movies, but considering our last episode about killer bears and killer animals in general, which is episode sixty one. Um, they have a section in here in this magazine that gives us a list of what are the world's deadliest creatures, right? As far oh. and, and it gives it in terms of human deaths, as far as animals killing people, exactly our topic. And so I want to play a little game here with everybody <laughs> oh. and see what do you guys think is the world's deadliest creature at the top of the list? To, to well, obviously to man, uh, I, you know what? I had heard somewhere it was a hippopotamus. That is a great guess, and it is not actually on this list, but I will say they do have a statistic about hippopotamuses. It says nearly 90% of 
of all hippo attacks on humans are deadly. So nine out of yeah. ten times, if you get attacked by a hippo, you're dead. I what about like that. a wildebeest water buffalo type of animal from Africa? You're you're saying those kill a lot of humans? I think I heard that they're really deadly. Yeah. Wow, really? I did. I wasn't aware of that. No, they they did not make the list. But but mm. but deer made the list. Down. Let me see here. Mm. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It, deer are number ten on the list. And it's really? pri- it's primarily because they run in front of vehicles and cause oh, car yeah, accidents. And they, they cause accidents. Yeah, okay. <laughs> to, that's happened to me before. Yeah. Uh, no, we didn't hit the deer. We braked to miss, avoid the deer, and then another car hit hit us and totaled our car. Right. But there are deer in my backyard all the time, and my kids surprise them sometimes. Are my kids going to get gouged up by a deer? Well, Is that, do I, I have to worry about this now, Jay. I, I will say if if there is a if there is a buck and you challenge it, it, it might do something like that. But typically, they're very skittish. Yeah. So and they do just come out of nowhere. I mean, I we've got them all over the place here too, and mm-hmm. they'll just they'll just dart right out in the middle. Or they'll. One time I walked by, it was standing. It was standing in the middle of the road and just watched me pass it. <laughs> so okay, so what's the deadliest creature, you guys? Come on. Uh, would it be alligator slash crocodile? Wow, crocodiles are on the list, and they are number eight. They kill a thousand people a year. Oh my God, they're down at number eight. Yeah, my feeling is it's got to be something ridiculous, or else you wouldn't be reading us this thing. Is it like the old thing where like cats get in the baby's cradle and, and smother them? <laughs> no, but that's hilarious. That is definitely a, a concern that many people have. You know, how about, about dogs with, like, pit bulls Ooh, and so forth? Ooh, very good. They are fourth on the list. They they cause mm. 61,000 deaths a year. And, um, in fact, dogs with rabies are still killers in Asia and Africa, according to Time magazine. Does, wow. Does this list consider spiders to be an animal? Um, yeah, yeah, insects are included, but I will say spiders are not in the top 11 that they've listed here. Mm. Hmm. You guys are shocking me that you're not saying some of the most um, infamous killers. Well, I guess I thought it was going to be like less obvious. Okay, sharks, yeah. uh, tigers, bears. Okay, well, <laughs> well, let me see. Lions, tigers, and bears. There you go. Oh, my. <laughs> well, actually, you're going to be amazed. None of those made it in the top well, 11. That's why I haven't been guessing them. So about the idea. <laughs> but so I have sharks. Sharks haven't, I guess sharks aren't, aren't as, aren't as, uh, I mean, sharks when they attack, I get, but they, there aren't that many shark attacks. Well, yeah. there are less fatalities probably. Yeah. Than yeah. Injuries. But the North Carolinians are saying, singing a different song this summer, but. Well, I'll tell you what, in, in New Jersey, on one of the, uh, one of the beaches uh, in New Jersey last week, they pulled everybody out of the water because of sharks. That's insane. Yeah. So okay, so guys, um here's the thing. I feel like you two are grossly unprepared for animal attacks. I I'm worried that my co-hosts mm-hmm. are going to die from animal attacks right <laughs> well, now. Well, uh, that's that's we just haven't been obviously we haven't seen this article. Okay. Uh, that you're talking about. And, and... Okay, what about rabid raccoons? Oh, now see, I love the creativity. Now you're now you're getting closer, Josh. But no, they're not on here. Okay, let me just tell how you about, number. How about possums? I hate those damn things. <laughs> I hate them too. No, they're not on there. But I'll tell you number one. You're going to... Number one and number two. Actually, number two is going to blow your mind more than anything else. But let me tell you number one. 
The most deadly creature in the world is mosquitoes. They kill 755,000 people a year. I was actually wondering if that was, when you said insects, I was wondering if that was going to be the one, but I was not about to guess it. Yeah, now, now number two is what's really freaky to me. Are you ready for this? The second most deadly creature in the world, snails. What? what? <laughs> 200,000 kills a year. Because so, they're like all the French people that are eating yeah, them. Yeah, they, they, they choke on them. <laughs> yeah, or they choke on them or something. No, actually, freshwater snails in tropical and subtropical climates can carry schistosomiasis, something like that. It's a deadly parasitic disease. All so, right, so 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 far the two that, that the two that are at the top are it's it's mostly viruses and and mm. that are the actual killers. Yeah, they're just the carriers. I okay. still think we should make a horror movie about snails killing people, but um, well, well, Juan has uh, suggested we review Mosquito as one of our. At your mercy recommendations. I, I remember reading that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> One great pick. And yeah, I mean, and as you can see, mosquitoes are a legitimate horror <laughs> fear. Okay. Number three is a more classic traditional animal that you would expect to be a killer. Come on. Come on, guys. We haven't said it yet. Yeah. Coyote. I'll give you a hint. Uh-huh. There, there, There's enmity between <laughs> human beings and this creature. And and well, obviously they've killed their number three killers. <laughs> yes, um, snakes, snakes. Oh, snakes! Yeah, uh, ninety-four thousand yeah. people killed by snakes. Good and Lord. then and then I'll just read down through. The, the next one was dogs, and then assassin bugs, or what they're called. What? Uh, um, yeah, they're the assassin bug carries uh, Chagas disease, which damages wow. the heart and nervous system. That sounds okay. pleasant. And then you got scorpions, and then you got the tsetse fly, and then crocodiles, and then elephants, and then deer, and then jellyfish. No, that rounds out the top eleven killers. Jay, you're acting like we're not getting these things. The only one there that would have been obvious is snakes. <laughs> well, I would have not had tsetse yeah. fly jump into my mind. To be honest <laughs> that's with you. part of the reason I wanted to read it because I'm just saying. I knew it. Horror. Is all around us, guys. Uh, apparently I was, so. I was just telling my kids a story about when I was I lived in San Diego when I was a little kid, and there was a uh, orange and lemon groves behind my house, and we'd always go and play in them. And then I had a friend, you know, they were kind of abandoned; they hadn't been taken care of in many years. Then I had a friend at school, new kid moved in into the house with the lemon grove, and so his family decided they were going to start taking care of this lemon grove and try to get good lemons out of it. So they hired a crew to come in and clean it out, and they found like a 10-foot boa constrictor in this lemon grove that I used to play in as a kid. Wow. Like every day I used to play in there. Brother, you could have been just squeezy cheese right now. Just squeezed to death. Oh oh my goodness, (laughs) That's, that's horrifying. Boy, we have waxed into these just... These old men on this podcast who just tell these crazy stories, haven't we? Yeah, really, we are. <laughs> so at this point, we have a special treat here in Horror Movie Podcast. We have our fourth official co-host joining us. Welcome to the show, Dr. Walking Dead. Glad to be on tonight. Thank you, buddy. Now, um, we got some serious business to get down to, and so let's get down to that right now. We're going to bring you all our feature review of Eat. I've just been going through a lot lately. Like what? I haven't landed a role in over three years. You can say whatever you want to, darling. But the truth is, 
You're terrible. That's why you don't get the parts. Oh, and I got in a car accident. And when I got home, my landlady told me I was going to be evicted. So I don't know. I just, I just snapped, you know? What happened to your foot? From the car accident. You didn't tell me about that. I didn't? No, you didn't tell me about your foot. Sweetie, what happened? Why did you do this to yourself? I need your help. I feel like I'm starving. Miss McClure, the wound on your hand is a bite mark. I'm going to put you on 24-hour suicide watch. Uh, so Eat represents the latest movie that Jason has subjected me to. <laughs> and, and it would have fit in very nicely in one of our recent episodes about Hollywood horror. Yes. Uh, because it's about another struggling actress who goes through some uh, rough times as she finds her career uh, not working out too well. Uh, Novella McClure is the, uh, the main character of this, this movie. <laughs> and because she's she's in her 30s now, she's finding it difficult to land roles, uh, and she's been out of work. And the only jobs that she gets offered are porn jobs, which is strange with a name like Novella McClure. <laughs> uh, as she grows increasingly desperate uh, and financially strapped and emotionally and uh, upset, she begins a, an unusual habit which is to eat her own flesh. Yes. Wow. Ooh. So that does sound like starry eyes a bit. It's a yes. lot like starry eyes. Yeah. Uh, eat has a lot in common with starry eyes. Uh, it's like starry eyes, if, but with uh, auto cannibalism, yes. which is actually a word. I had to, I checked that out. It is a word. Same. Uh, there is a bizarre side plot with her best friend who uh, is surprisingly violent. <laughs> Uh, and the movie kind of culminates in this weird horror Thelma and Louise murder mystery plot thing uh, that ends abruptly. Yes, but but to for my money, pleasingly, <laughs> pleasingly. Well, yeah. Well, we can discuss that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle, the first the first thing is okay. So I I for I gotta give credit where credits due. I first heard about this film from our friend Bill Shetty. It was in his top 10 list of uh, 2014. That's where he hmm. put it. Um, he was very pleased with it. And yeah, it's like totally a Bill Shetty type of movie. And it sounds very sick and twisted, of yeah. course. But yeah. the, but the thing is, and, and this is what I really got to try to impress upon people's minds. It, it does... As, as we say, which cracks me up every time I love when horror fans say it, it does show it. It doesn't yeah. cut away, you know, like it, no. it's very disturbing and graphic. But I will say there's something about this film. It's definitely a horror film, but it doesn't masquerade as a horror film. It's almost like it's just trying to be this sad drama. I actually find this film to be sad. Oh, it is. Well, and I think Starry Eyes was too. It's definitely a tragedy. Um, and it's, as we said with those other films, it's it's a commentary on the 
the hollow emptiness of Hollywood and, and the over fixation we have on people's bodies and their ages, uh, and really the the desperation that that people are put through, and so it does have that odd, you know, meta level of are we watching a movie or are we watching a documentary? Is is this a commentary on um, Maggie Maddox's career? Uh, and, and kind of the films that she's been put through. And it is an interesting style. It, it is very low budget. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody on Internet Movie Database said that it, it kind of looks and feels like a porno. And I think that's intentional. Uh, it's it's kind of got that really rough edge home video type quality to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's got some decent music and, and uh, decent acting. Not everybody's great. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, the effects, and this is probably why Bill Shetty liked it so much. The effects are over the top. Oh man. Yeah. Like uh, turn your stomach a little bit. Right. I mean, I, I oh yeah, I always, I don't eat know if- when I'm watching movies <laughs> that's, and I, that's call. brother, I had trouble during this one. <laughs> I don't know if we've, uh, if we've used this designation before, but I would call this a gorer film. Uh, because that's really the focus. I wouldn't call it torture porn, but it's definitely the focus is on the gore uh, and not on the other aspects. Because I think you're right that there is this kind of sad, tragic drama, and it's kind of a little bit of a mystery. Um, But as I've said before, I've talked about the difference between terror and horror. I don't think this is a film that's terror. It's not terrifying. It's not you know, what's behind the door, what's going to jump out and scare me. It is really more of a horrifying film. Mm-hmm. It is that exposure to the things that really do turn our stomach. It has been a long time since I have looked away from a screen. <laughs> <laughs> the name kind of screams gore to me, which is, I don't know, just when I read the synopsis and saw the poster, I was like, yeah, I don't want to see this ever. <laughs> when, when you said, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, I genuinely, and I'm not trying to push anybody into something they they are not going to have a good experience with, but I genuinely think Josh will appreciate this on some level. If he ever watches it, like for his, his Wolfman's got nard segment, but let me just, I I, want to make a distinction here because it's really easy to get, I guess uh, the wrong impression. There are, it is, it does have like some serious gore stuff, but it's not like, continually gore throughout the film. This is built and structured like the Incredible Hulk episodes where it's like, do you remember how on the the old TV show from the 70s, it's like, you know, things would get bad, people would tick off Bruce Banner, and then he would Hulk out. Well, in this, things get bad, people upset or hurt her emotionally, and then she eats (laughs) and starts out small and it does progressively get larger but it's like it's very punctuated throughout the film it's almost like it's evenly spaced or something yeah no it's a film of escalation uh and it does the job of setting up the character and developing the character and, and letting the audience really understand the the breaking point to which she has come already she's behind on her rent Uh, She's not landing roles. She's out of money. She's out of food, which is a key thing. Uh, She continually looks in the fridge and forgets that there's no food in there. And it's about how her her stomach is empty, but her soul is also empty, right? Uh, 
Yes. Uh, Cause she's, she's a victim of this Hollywood uh, machine where she's going on these auditions over and over and over again. And all the girls are younger and prettier. Uh, and there's one girl who keeps getting all the jobs <laughs> and then she's got bad social life and the club scene is terrible. And the guys that they cast, for the the douchebags at the club are so awesome. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you kind of it kind of builds gradually and slowly, and not a lot happens. And then when it starts, even though you know it's coming, uh, it's a it's a slap in the face, man. Yeah, yeah, it, it, so, it is. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. I was just wondering if this is where Kyle's recent spate of transformative monster tweets came from. You no, looking out. I don't see that. I, I think, and I could be wrong here, Jay, but I think you're talking more about plotting and pacing uh, than like literal transformation. Yeah. Well, well, go ahead. Talk more about that. What do you mean exactly? Well, she doesn't physically change. It's not like suddenly she gets animalistic teeth or right. her eyes turn into cat's eyes. I mean, she's still a, a, a bleach blonde actress. Um, but, but she does have this kind of psychological shift, yes. it, but it's not a physical transformation. Well, uh, it, it's not like, it's not kind of like we saw over the course of starry eyes, right? Uh, where there is this kind of physical shift. Yeah. She, she becomes a monster of sorts in starry eyes. Whereas in this, I totally agree with you hundred percent. In fact, Kyle, would you say I think one reason why this is really kind of a sad film is because it seems to follow the same spirit or the same illness as like just a, a typical eating disorder, like somebody with uh, bulimia or somebody who's anorexic. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, absolutely. Absolutely. It is this kind of the monstrosity of an eating disorder, body dysmorphia. Um, the film kind of opens with her uh, judging herself in a mirror and, and worrying about her body and the way she looks and she looks great. And that's the whole mm -hmm. point, uh, that even, even this young woman who is, is, looks fantastic. Isn't enough. It's not enough. She doesn't look enough. Again, back to starry eyes. We saw similar footage in that film. Yes, we did. Uh, so it's where she can't nourish herself properly but she's driven to this this desire to consume. Uh, and I think that it is a really interesting metaphor, that idea that people in these cutthroat industries do ultimately become self-consumptive yes. uh, because they end up destroying themselves <laughs> as, as a bulimic would in reverse, right? This is right. kind of like reverse bulimia. Yeah, it's almost like a, a very literal uh, metaphorical manifestation of that like carried out in front of our eyes. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. And it's, it's disturbing, but it's, I will say I never would have watched it on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I did not hate it. It took me a while to get into it, but I really started caring for this girl. Oh yeah. Uh, this poor novella. Uh, she's so sympathetic and she's so nice. And it's like, why can't she get a break? Uh, why aren't things working out for her? And she's like, I'm just going to get a job. I'm going to be, I'll just style a hair. And you're like, yes, please yeah. just go get a job. Yeah. And uh, buy some groceries too. Yeah, buy like, some food. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I, I do want to say, um, this is now, uh, topped my list of, of really, really disturbing visual moments. Uh, I used to be uh, the, the top of my list used to be the moment in cabin fever when the girl's in the tub shaving her legs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
which is just so cringeworthy and you have to look away and you don't want to watch it. Yes. Uh, this film yeah. has now replaced that. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not going to go into too much details because I know we like to avoid spoilers, mm-hmm. but her entry into auto cannibalism begins innocently with her chewing on a hangnail on her thumb. We all do that, mm-hmm. right? It's something that everybody does. And I am, I'm going to say that I think most of us, if we pick a little skin off when we're doing that, we probably just swallow it. Um, maybe people don't admit it, but, but, I, but I think everybody at some point in their life has practiced some auto cannibalism, uh, just a, just a little bit of skin maybe. Well, that's where she starts. And when it escalates beyond that, because it goes from this thing that everyone can relate to, to this super huge taboo we didn't even know existed. Right. <laughs> it's shocking. Wow. Oh, it, yeah. I shouldn't even be eating during this review. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I I had pizza during this movie and I tell you it was oh, a li- it was a little di- you know disconcerting for me but but um well, the, the the first major gore effect when she's driving the car, Jay. Mhm. Yes. That's as disturbing as anything I've ever seen on film. <laughs> and it was so realistic to me. Yeah. That I I think I will never bite a hangnail. <laughs> for the rest of my life just out of fear that something might happen exactly and i yeah. i'm with you and i think that part of the reason this film is so effective is because it kind of like as it opens like kyle has described it looks super low budget and kind of shoddy and you're like oh what am i watching here you know but That's exactly what i thought <laughs> exactly so there's that but then the effects are so convincing that you're yeah. not really expecting them to pull these off so well. And when they do, it is. It's like a, a kick to the groin or something. It's very upsetting. Like, And, and when you say disturbing, I don't want to underestimate this. Like, I, I did feel kind of shaken up inside watching this movie. I actually had to take, maybe not had to take, but I did take a couple of little short breaks <laughs> to get a breather because yeah. it was kind of upsetting me a little bit and shaking me inside. But Well, I cried out, <laughs> which I don't usually <laughs> do. Because uh, I was up late because so my kids were in bed and I'm watching it going, ah! <laughs> and I will admit it, it, it pushed me that yeah. far to the edge. Now, just to remind viewers, I watch zombie movies for a living and I see eviscerations and people chewing on intestines and gunk falling out of bodies that stuff doesn't bother me because it's so over the top and so fake. Eat, it looks like this actress is eating herself. Wow. <laughs> I cannot under I cannot overemphasize that. Oh. And Jay's right. I think they trick you out. It's like uh, mediocre camera work, you know, sort of low quality, decent college level acting maybe. And so you think everything's going to be low budget. And then the gore effects are top notch. <laughs> and so it completely drags you into the fact that, oh my gosh, this is real. Yeah. This has got to be real. Yep. They bring it. Yeah. And just a couple little facts here before I forget them. Um, as far as her appearance, Kyle, she does, she reminds me a lot of Scarlett Johansson. I yes, think. me too. I thought she looked a lot like her. Yeah. And so, and I, I got to give a serious shout out here to Maggie Maddock. That's the actress's name. And um, I just think she's fantastic actually and she sells it she and i and i bagged on a little bit of the acting but not hers uh i thought she acted 
amazingly well. She sold it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I got to confess to the audience and Kyle, I'm not even kidding here. Uh, th- there was a moment in this film when it, I actually got a little bit misty. I got a little bit of tears kind of welling. There was a very sad, heartbreaking moment where it's like you realize you're like, oh, she just wants to be happy. You know, she she just wants people to care about her. You know, she's just trying to succeed. And and man, like, the, it's a very sad film. I, I think it's equally as sad as it is disturbing. Well, that's why it's more disturbing. Yeah, because uh, she doesn't deserve it. She's not a bad person. I mean, if if you look at the standard slasher model, you know, she's not a drug addict. She's not uh, overly promiscuous. She's not wicked. Um, her best friend is, <laughs> and so you you kind of want to see bad things happen to her. But you really do feel for this poor girl. Um, and there's some plot twists at the end, which are kind of nicely never addressed or resolved. Uh, and you kind of, you don't really understand what happens with the twist. It could be, it could go one of two directions and they don't tell you which is which. Mm-hmm. And then the ending of the film, like Jay said, at the ending, you're like, well, geez, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm just, I'm just really upset now. <laughs> yeah. I love the ending. And in fact, the, the final shot, which I, I won't describe here, but there's something I love to feel disturbed in films. I love when a movie's over and I feel kind of rattled. I feel like I've been put through something. And this this does it. The very final shot is one of the most haunting I've I've seen in cinema. I would rate it among the top five most haunting oh, final shots. It's pretty good. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's very similar in tone to the the ending shot of The Shining with the, the photograph. Oh, yeah. Uh, where it really just kind of leaves you shocked and the, and it goes to black and the credits start and you're like, what? (laughs) You're like, you feel like somebody just punched you in the face. Um, what about this? I think there's a little shout out, like a funny little, um, something, maybe a nod to the elephant man, because there's one moment when she yells, I am not a cannibal. And it sounds like the I am not an animal line, which cracked me up a little Uh, bit. That's entirely possible. I mean, (laughs) the people who made this aren't clearly are are not stupid. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because like I said, like I said in the intro, there's definitely a Thelma and Louise vibe. (laughs) This kind of two women against the the men. Uh, But it's, it's darker than Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then it's it's this innocuous, gradual development. And so, and and again, I I don't know if everyone can relate to this, but I can relate to this. And again, I, I think that's what they're playing on here. You know, when you're cutting your nails or trimming your your hangnails, <laughs> you're trying to deal with your own body, and sometimes you go too far. I mean, we've all cut our nail too short before, right? This week, in yeah. fact. Mm-hmm. And then your finger hurts for a week yes. or you've had a little hangnail in the bottom corner of your thumb and you've ripped it and it's ripped too far yes. and it starts bleeding. And you're like, why the hell did I do that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why didn't I just go get some clippers and clip it off? Why am I using my teeth? <laughs> We've all been there. Oh, right? Yeah. And I, and I, and picking a scab and then it's, and then it really hurts. And you wonder why was I picking at it? And so there is something about this, this, this self, destruction of the body that we all do absent-mindedly and this film says well what if we were to take that to the extreme oh yeah 
Yes. And that's why it's it like upsets me. The thread me so that unravels much. the sweater. <laughs> exactly. Oh, absolutely. It is. But that. see, I've never had a bear trap padlocked to my skull. <laughs> so when I watch Saw, it's like, well, that's wild. <laughs> but I have it's it's not even in my realm of experience. Right. This film is so close to home. You're like, oh geez. <laughs> uh Hmm. <laughs> Kyle, you're cracking me up. I I love it. I I know what you're saying. I get it. I get what you're saying for sure. Well, I'm not the only auto cannibalist out there. Come right. You're, you're not. You're <laughs> you're not alone. Here is what here is what I think makes this. Jay eats his boogers. <laughs> <laughs> That's not flesh though. So we'll <laughs> okay. Touche. That was brilliant. I that took me right back to junior high. I loved it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so uh Is that when you ate your boogers last? Exactly. That's when it was. So so guys, here is why I think Eat is a brilliant horror film. When else? When else? And I mean this is so rare. When else? is the monster you. Yeah. you. I mean, she, honestly, she is the monster of this film. There are other reprehensible characters in this. Most of the characters are reprehensible, in fact, except for a couple. But really, the, the, um, the being that is destroying her and killing her is herself. And man, that's, that's very upsetting to me. It's so scary. But uh, it's such a good moral, man, because don't, Aren't we often our own worst monsters? Yeah, you know if it's if it's if it's uh, body dysmorphia or anorexia or alcoholism or or smoking, you know all these things where where you're doing more harm to yourself than anyone else ever could. Yeah, yeah, it's, tra- it's tragic. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean it works. And so I was joking a little bit with my intro. I would I didn't want to watch this. And I looked at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, Jay wants me to watch what? <laughs> and 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 Jason's already refused, so I guess I better do it. Um I was pleasantly surprised and super upset. <laughs> Uh, which is a good good response at the end of a horror film. Yeah. Right? Are you gonna write about this in a future book, Kyle? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you don't want anybody to, to know something you. to mine from auto cannibalism for a horror. Yeah, there, there's horror something going on it. there. Because I was thinking about because you know we were talking about the possible films for the future cannibalism episode, and I was thinking about those films as I rolled into this one, and I'm thinking, man, cannibalism films are bad. Oh, that cannibal holocaust is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. What could be worse than cannibalism? Well, guess what, folks. Auto <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing is, as you research, because I, I carefully and I say I emphasize carefully, I carefully tried to research that a little bit online. I didn't want to run into some serious messed up sickness out there, but it, it seems as though this is pretty rare, which is not surprising, right? That somebody would not eat themselves. I mean, right? Kyle? Well, there's a, but there's a word for it, so it must be a real condition. You know? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm sure it's. I haven't done enough research to see the severity, uh, but I don't think it would escalate to the the point that this film takes it to. But you know, you you there used to be that weird TV show where they'd interview people who like eat soap or who eat sand or. Oh yeah. And there is there is a real psychological condition where people eat things that are not healthy and are not meant to be eaten. Yeah. Um, and we and we know that there's uh, there's a blood drinking fetish and and a self blood drinking 
I mean, that kind of stuff is out there. So I'm pretty sure this is a thing. Yeah, self-vampirism. Uh, and, and I'm, I am not going to. I'm not really in the mood to Google uh, <laughs> auto cannibalism and see what kind of images come up. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, I just I just looked up, and this does doesn't have an image, but I just looked it up on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, and it is a noted source. It's just talking about how sometimes auto cannibalism or self cannibalism is used as a form of torture during war. Yeah. Oh, geez. And it says the one that got me here is in the 16th century, Spanish colonizers forced natives to eat their own testicles. Oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah, it's it's very upsetting if you read that entry. Do not Google images. And I, no, and no, just, no, no, no. I'm not doing images. No. I, I just Googled shopping, and that was even bad. So, wow, <laughs> that, was, that was a weird joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, as we start to wrap this up here, I want to give a another little shout out here to the writer, director, and editor of this. Yeah, he did it all crazy movie his name is uh jimmy it's either weber or weber and weber Weber, this guy has some genuine talent and so i'm I'm very impressed with this film one other likeness to the actress there she also reminds me a little bit of um alicia cuthbert right from oh yeah Yeah. from captivity or more famously uh 24 right but anyway, there is one other food or eating movie that, that this this was in the same camp as, although that the one I'm about to mention is an avoid, and I do not recommend it. I probably shouldn't even bring it up, but I don't know if you remember this from the weekly horror movie podcast, Dr. Shock, but do you remember that movie called Feed from 2005? <laughs> I vague, yes, I, I wasn't there. On, I wasn't on that episode, but I remember the review. Oh, man. Yes. That movie is messed up. Uh, seriously, people don't watch that. It, it's no. it's terrible for one thing and disgusting. And um, you'll be calling people Jelly Baby. <laughs> Anyways, that's just a terrible joke. But um, Kyle, don't watch Feed. Anyway, uh, let's wrap up with our uh, final thoughts and, and deep, <laughs> sincere feelings on this movie. Eat, Kyle, start us off. Uh, so here's the thing. This <laughs> film is full of surprises. It surprises on the gore factor. It surprises on the kind of gross out. Um, it surprises on the emotional connection. And frankly, there's there were two or three plot twists that were really pretty surprising to me. Um, it's not a bad script. So it's it just kind of comes out of nowhere in a lot of ways. And... You think it's going to be kind of a trashy, low-budget, unsuccessful film. And Internet Movie Database, the rating's 4.7, which I think is is really unnecessarily low. It's criminal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So if if you are a fan of gore and if you're a fan of makeup and kind of want to see what people can do pushing the envelope, because and, – and correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, but this all looked practical to me. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get the sense that any of this was CGI. Same. Um, I mean, if you like that kind of old school gross out stuff that has some heart to it, has some emotion and some connection, <laughs> stop it. Okay. Uh, you, you're going, I think you're going to like this movie. I think it's going to be a surprise and uh, maybe not a film you're going to want to ever watch again, but, uh, but I don't think it's necessarily one you would regret having seen. <laughs> Do you want my rating before or after you talk? Well, it's up to you. Do you want to you want to keep us in suspense with it or what? Because yeah, can't. well, tell us what you think, Jay, and then uh, I'll rate it out. Uh, okay, okay, here goes. 
Um, first, I want to tell the listeners, this movie would be a blast if you, um, and I'm not saying in a mean way, but if you have sick friends that are kind of twisted or you get together a group of buddies and maybe you're all drinking or something and you want something to watch that is going to be memorable and going to be a trip, this would be a trip to take people on. Um, you might get some violent reactions from people, but I'm just <laughs> saying that could be fun. This film is a tremendous horror film. I, I'm just impressed to like the nth degree. I, I actually, it, this sounds weird to say, I really enjoyed myself in as much as it's fun to be disturbed. It's fun to be grossed out. It's fun to be troubled when horror can do that. I think it's very impressive. So this is something that I highly recommend if you can tolerate the gore. I think it's a great way to push yourself as a horror fan and as a viewer. This is a 9 out of 10 to me. And I'd even wow. say, buy, eat. <laughs> what do you say, <laughs> Kyle? Uh, that's a little higher than I would go, but I think you're right. <laughs> uh, I, geez, it's just, it's, it is great. And I think that if you're an aspiring makeup artist, buy it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, you're right. This is, this is, this is a pusher and you got to really kind of be into this kind of genre. Um, I think it's a good film and it exceeded my expectations, but I'm, I'm giving it a seven. Uh, you know, I'm a little critical, uh, because there, it's not a perfect film. It is kind of low budget. It, it does have some one notes to it. I thought the side plot with the girlfriend detracted, frankly, Agreed. uh, but it, but it, it added some nice twists. Um, but I forgot to mention the, the landlady is actually fantastic in this. Yes. Uh, this kind of little old lady, uh, older lady who's just amazing. Um, but seven is where I got to go with this. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say Reddit or, or stream it or whatever. It's on, it's free on Amazon prime right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, not on Netflix, but Amazon prime. I think, I think it's worth definitely checking out. Um, <laughs> if anything for the tagline, which I just found <laughs> the story of a girl who finds herself and then eats herself. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't sell this film to you, then maybe you're listening to the wrong podcast. That's right. That's right. It's brilliant. And I want to thank Bill Shetty for bringing this to my attention. I always try to give credit where credit's due. And I was very pleased with Eat. So, uh, Josh and Doc. And I, I will say you did not lead me astray. Okay. Although for the first 20 minutes, I thought you had. You, you were mad at me. <laughs> Um, so Josh, are, are you going to, are you going to take this on here eventually? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. Okay. What about you, Dave? Come on, Dave. I know yeah, you can I, do I would, I'll probably check it out at, at, at some point. Sure. Yeah. Right? What? It does sound disturbing, but. I've had my fill, so to speak. <laughs> oh, nice. I see. <laughs> I see what you did there. That's very I gotta, good. I gotta just real quick. I gotta mention this on the Wikipedia page that I mentioned earlier. It's got all this horrible stuff in there, but then under cultural references, it mentions how in Spaceballs, Pizza the Hut ate himself when he was locked in his car. That's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, yeah, and they even have a Friends reference down there. Um, the TV show Friends. There was a, you know, this theme was in there with Monica. That oh yeah, anyway, right, right under that, yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so that's our review of Eat. If you've seen this, let us know what you think about it. And I, I'm sure we'll have a lot of people go watch it after this review. And um, you can yell at Kyle and me. <laughs> All right. We'll take it. J. Of the Dead's Beastly Freaks. All right, it's time for J. Of the Dead's Beastly Freaks. And I brought in Kyle with me on this special movie because I tell you, it is my favorite kind of movie, which is a Beastly Freaks movie, mixed with Kyle's favorite kind of movie, which is a zombie movie. You want to introduce it, Kyle? (laughs) Okay. Uh, So as many horror films have done in the past, (laughs) this film begins with three girls heading into the woods for the weekend to stay at a remote cabin. Uh, where they are soon visited by boys and sexual hijinks ensue, but they come to a stop when the group is beset upon by a horde of zombie beavers. That's oh, right. Brother. This is the 2014 film <laughs> from Jordan Rubin, Zombievers. And I really have no more plot to summarize because that's it. <laughs> yes. Once you throw zombie beavers in there, you don't have anything more to say, pretty much. Oh, uh, I <laughs> did not want to watch this movie despite my career. <laughs> um, and I have been deciding I was just not going to watch it. And then Jay said, come on, we got to do it, man. So I watched it today. And I'll tell you right up front. It was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And, and when you say bad, do you mean naughty or terrible? Uh, poorly made, stupid, unnecessarily, and un, unaffectively funny, uh, that kind of stuff. It was not a, a complete trash throwaway film. Right. It's surprisingly okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's a serious horror film because the dog dies, right? Yes, and I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, It starts off as kind of a stupid comedy, and it's playing on a lot of conventions, and okay, here we go. It's a parody, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But then the dog dies, and you all know, once the dog dies, you got to sit up and pay more attention. Because I would say the middle 60 minutes of this movie is pretty straight-up horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kind of give up on the the teenage sexual hijinks film and they really dial it up with these kind of laughable animatronic beaver puppets (laughs) but but there's some stuff there there is some stuff there (laughs) so the first thing I've been dying to ask you Kyle is how do you feel about zombism or zombieism transferring or or occurring in other species than just like human beings like what what do you think of it moving into other creatures well it's interesting and it it surprises me actually that we don't see more of it uh but but as you guys know to me the the zombie is essentially the the last the lot uh the loss of agency and consciousness. And to a certain extent, a lot of animals don't have that anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what it's doing is taking a, a beaver, which operates on instinct, and makes it into a monster beaver that continues to operate on instinct. And they actually make make a point in this movie that the beavers simply see the humans in the cabin as like a rival tribe of beavers. 
and so they're really just acting out on their their normal emotions. So so I don't think there's much of a shift between wild animal and zombie animal, uh, which is what lacks a little bit. Now, when you can have zombie animals that can infect and transfer their condition to humans, then I think you're the, more into a traditional zombie film. There's just more agents at play. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in Resident Evil, if you want to go back there, uh, the zombie dogs are pretty effective. Uh, they're pretty good yeah. monsters. They're pretty mm-hmm. scary. Yes. Uh, and And so... Yeah, it it works, but but they more become the kind of wild, rat, rabid, mad animal, and the zombieism is less relevant. Except that it becomes it's very very difficult to kill them because they're already dead. Right. Yes. Well, and and here's just a couple little just off the cuff here. As this film opens, I hate horror comedies typically, but as it opens, I gotta say. The film is really beautiful. Like, yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, I'm thinking, wow, these colors are so rich and vivid. <laughs> this is a, a really good looking film. And the opening scene, although it's really dumb, I'm mm-hmm. like, there's something kind of funny about this. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe, maybe they're going to actually entertain me with it. And I think the comedy horror elements of it like and and i just mean the comedy aspects it goes kind of downhill but then once you get to an hour mark about the hour mark and it starts getting like serious like serious business then it's much better but i gotta warn the listeners about something when you first see the beavers you know not (laughs) not not zombie beavers but just the beavers they look terrible i mean they look worse than muppet show beavers they're they're bad they're they're like not even a little bit credible they look awful but once they become zombie beavers they're actually slightly better (laughs) right (laughs) well this is a film that is very consciously operating in uh like an 80s tradition it's very much got kind of the feel and tone and style of an 80s horror film which is a little cheeky little jokey because uh, it is bookended by this kind of comedic team, which for I'm embarrassed to say that I thought they were hilarious. Uh, it's just kind of this <laughs> lowbrow mutton Jeff type of thing, which really kind of worked in a weird way. And then it kind of shifts gears because the title sequence of this movie is great. It's really pretty good. It's it's kind of an animated uh, shadow puppet thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, what am I watching here? So, so yeah, it's weird how some of the production values are high and then other production values on this thing are in the basement. Right. So I, I don't know what their production meeting decisions were, but clearly no one thought that they should put money into the beavers in a movie called Zombievers. (laughs) I've I've got a question there. Multiple levels. Yeah. Well, the gore, the gore effects aren't bad, but it's nowhere near in the league of eat. Right. Uh, Are they intentionally bad? The zombie beavers? That's they've my... got to be. They've they've got to be. But right, Jay. Yeah, they... I I agree with that. But the thing is, they're beyond that. Even I mean, it's like if your kid kind of constructed a puppet of a beaver. I mean, it's very very fake and stupid looking. And I think they meant that to be funny, but it's almost a little too far for <laughs> yeah. my tastes. 
Well, and, and we see this with other films. It doesn't know if it's a comedy or a horror film. And I think that, that some films really strike that balance where the comedy, the humor actually escalates the fear or works as a release valve to the fear. And I know we're going to talk about this later. We're, we're in the works of it. But Scream, to me, is such a brilliant film because it balances those two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be really funny, but really, really scary. Uh, I think I think Dead Snow does it quite effectively. I've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. This film isn't always firing on all engine cylinders, and it's not quite there. Some of the jokes are like, what? It, now's not the right time for a joke. Or... This can't be horrific because it's too, the tone is too silly right now. And so it does struggle finding that note. (laughs) And speaking of notes, I mean, there are weird random lines that I don't know if they were 100% meant to be jokes or funny, but like one thing that cracked me up is um, there's just a line where a character says, it's an effing hybrid. You have to finesse it. (laughs) Like, you know, like they, they say bizarre things. It's like, (laughs) <laughs> These almost sound like things that people would actually say in real life, but it's it's you know it's not like always just movie dialogue. No, it's it's oddly scripted. It is very stereotyped at the characters, which it's doing on purpose. Again, throwing back to the '80s uh, slasher film, um, although it's a very white cast, but it does kind of have that. You know, the obnoxious girl and the slutty girl and the the dumb guy and the jockey guy—they're all in there. Uh, but it, it, to me, and Jay, uh, tell me if you disagree or not, it defies a lot of the expectations for the character types. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would because say that's true. One of the characters that you're pretty sure is not going to die does. <laughs> mm-hmm. And cause I don't want to spoil it, but you know, one of the people that I was sure was going to be dead early lasted a while. And so it does yeah. mess around with that, uh, you think you know what a slasher film is, and this isn't it. And I mention that because the film, the first 30 minutes of the movie, it's a slasher film. <laughs> it's set up as Cabin in the Woods, right? We've seen it a hundred times. It's it's Cabin Fever. It's it's it, it, At times, it really felt like um, Evil Dead to me mm-hmm. uh, in some of the cinematography and some of the beavers. It, like The fakeness of the beavers was not unlike the fakeness of the deadites. Yeah. You know, kind of that intentionality. And uh, it has the siege narrative. That, that It has the siege in. narrative. It has the subjective camera POV of the killer. Uh, it has all those elements, but then it, it is also this zombie film that has all the, it becomes Night of the Living Dead halfway through and they're trying to board up the windows. Although one of the great lines was they're boarding up the windows and she's like, but they're beavers. They eat wood. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just so stupid. It is, but stupid. yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, and then it it it's all it's all kind of going on. They're trying to homage a lot of genres, and I kind of wish they hadn't made it a comedy. I think too. it might have worked if they just kept it serious the whole time. Yeah, you can't make a movie with this title and with beavers. No, the, you, you'd have the to serious title. <laughs> If this movie, I'm just looking you would have to. looking it up. It got made because of the title. The movie was pitched. This title right. was pitched, and that's why they made the movie. Yeah, kind of like it was probably right. inspired a little bit by something like Sharknado, right? And they're like, okay. Yeah, yeah sure. it, it sounds right. like this is a sci-fi network film. And... But so well, the, writers, the writers worked for uh, – the director works for Comedy Central. I think he's – 
all of his credits are writing credits for Crank Yankers, uh, The Late Show with Craig Kilborn, The Man Show, Last Call with Carson Daly. So he's like a he's a comedy writer uh, in one of his first directorial films. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's it's more of an it's more effective as a horror film than it has any right to be. I'll I'll huh. say that. Yeah, I mean it has some it has some stuff that works. Well, yeah, where it eventually goes, I think it gets pretty serious. But Josh, you you were kind of I heard a tisk tisk kind of noise when we first mentioned the title. Like it sounds like this is a movie you would never try. And now, why do you feel this way? Why is there contempt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I said any of those things, but it's just, it looks silly. Uh, and I don't know. I guess I would have to be really, um, I would either have to be paid as a professor to research zombie movies or <laughs> have nothing to do to watch this movie. <laughs> yes. Okay. What about you, Dave? I mean, this, you, I sometimes call you Dr. Schlock because I think it's right. fitting. So, I mean, is this your kind of one day check it out kind of movie? Uh, you know what? It it wasn't before you guys were talking about it because I've seen the title before and I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. But yeah, now that you're talking, I might at, at some point, I'm not going to rush out, but I might at some point, uh, you know, it, watch it. It is streaming on Netflix for free. Yeah, I did see Netflix. that. Yes, I did see so that. So it's there for the taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicholas Robinson, a reviewer on uh, Internet Movie Database, points out something I missed. It's It's got a lot of similarities with Black Sheep, and I don't know if you guys have seen, seen oh, I've that. Seen, I've oh, seen yeah. Black Sheep. Yes, I actually enjoyed Black Sheep. Yeah, Yeah. so it's it's a little low budget. The, 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 the animals look a little fake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of similarities there. Okay. Okay. Get behind that then. Yeah, and and this guy rightly says, if you're looking for a movie filled to the brim with horror cliches, ludicrous practical effects in place of CGI, and mutated animals, this is your movie. Yeah, nice. I will and say, I, and I would agree with what he has to say there. It's not quite as good as Black Sheep for me. No, it's, for me. I'm not saying it is. Okay, it's just in that it's in that milieu. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> And, and by the way, everybody, if you do watch this, make sure you stick around for the stinger. Funny, huh, Kyle? Uh. <laughs> okay, so anyway. The unspoken pun. Yes, yes, there it is. So let's do our ratings on Zombievers <laughs> here. I'm going to go first, Kyle, because I think you'll be okay. more generous than I am. Oh, okay. Uh, th- this, you know, when, once you're like an hour in and it gets it gets real, then you're like, okay, we got a horror movie now, but... It's pretty dumb <laughs> for most of the the lead up to that first 45 minutes to an hour is dumb. And it's a really short movie. So you're only getting about like 15 minutes or so of decent horror stuff. And I say decent very generously. So this is a 4.5 to me. I call it a low priority rental or stream it on Netflix if, as Josh said, you have nothing else to do. <laughs> what do you say, Kyle? Uh Here's what really surprised me about the film. I I am a I am a huge fan of Carol Clover's critical book, uh, Men, Women, and Chainsaws. Uh, when she talks about, kind of puts out the idea of the Final Girl, that was so big in the '70s and '80s. This film uh, subverts and undermines the Final Girl in a way where I could maybe write a better academic paper on Zombievers than I could on Eat, uh, <laughs> but I would never actually give that paper 
for fear of destroying my career. <laughs> <laughs> because the movie's called Zombievers. <laughs> right. So the title, I give a two, uh, maybe a one. The film, though, uh, I'm going to give it a five because <laughs> it's unexpected, because it's somewhat clever, and because it's dumb in a way that I think they want it to be dumb. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think there's a lot of intentionality here. I, I Again, I'm going to quote this Nicholas Robinson guy. I don't know who he is, but I agree with him. His, his parting shot is, this is an excellent movie to watch with a group of people while getting drunk. And, and I think that that may be the proper way to consume this film. Uh, so I'm going to say it's a, it's a also a low priority rental, uh, but I'm going to give it an extra 0.5 because of some cleverness that goes on. Um, if you go in with really low expectations as I did, you will be pleasantly surprised. Uh, if for some reason the the, the title zombie beavers, resonates on the level of citizen Kane with you, uh, you're going to be hugely, hugely disappointed. <laughs> yes. Well said. <laughs> so Kyle, is there anything else you wanted to talk about on this episode? We, we try to be very considerate of your time, sir. Um, I've been watching the strain and I hated the book, but the TV series is really compelling. So I don't know if, if any of you guys are watching it. No we'll, no, we'll include it, though, if you don't mind, in the because we also talk about horror TV and stuff. So I'll include it if you're going to recommend that to the listeners to check out. Well, the, the, the second season premiere was Sunday, and man, it was really pretty great. Uh, and one thing I like about it is because I, I just binge-watched iZombie. And it's like, oh my gosh, we got all these monsters that aren't monsters. And these, oh, we have to watch all these shows about monsters trying to be human. The Strain is about monsters that are full-on, unadulterated monsters. And I just, nice. I like that. And these are vampires that aren't warm and cuddly. And, and they're really gross and disfigured. And it's like Murnau-level stuff. You know, that old Nosferatu-type yeah. vampires. You sold so me. I'm just, I'll, I'll just kind of throw that out there. I don't know if the first season is available uh, easily, but I like it. It's it's intentionally, Del Toro set it up as a, a modern day telling of Dracula, but in New York instead of London. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of intentional parallels to Dracula, which I'm a huge fan of. So just throwing that out there for you guys. Great. Thank you. But if, if we ever, if you ever wanted me to take five or 10 minutes to talk about it on the show, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I, I'd like to watch a little bit of it and talk about it with you in an upcoming episode, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. No, I, I've been really impressed with it, and I was completely ready to dismiss it. <laughs> nice. All right, well, before you run, Kyle, um, tell the listeners where they can follow you online and so forth. So uh, you're welcome to, anybody who wants to, is welcome to check out my book, American Zombie Gothic. Uh, it is available. It keeps getting lower and lower in price. It's 25 bucks now, or you can get it on Kindle or, or Nook or whatever for much cheaper. Um, I am going to pathetically ask if anybody wants to go to the Barnes & Noble website and post some good reviews. Two jerky jerks tanked my rating on that site, uh, and I'm, oh, and I'm kind of annoyed with them. So if anybody wants to just go throw a positive review at Barnes & Noble to get me out of the tank, uh, you don't even need to mean it. You can un <laughs> insincerely give me a high score. I, I will do it. I'll <laughs> That'd be awesome. 
I will. I bet uh, you you can count on the listeners of this podcast. They're really good about stuff like that. So, everybody, how about I think Kyle? it's a decent HMP book. I think I, did a, I think I did a good job with the book. Uh, one of the negative criticisms said that I, I didn't say anything that people weren't saying in the 80s. Uh, but nobody was saying anything about zombie movies in the 80s. So, that guy's just a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I'm more active, more easily accessed through Twitter, at Dr. Walking Dead. Uh, as Josh will tell you, I go through periods of feast and famine on there. Um, but I do. I try to limit my tweeting to really just focusing on film and television. And and uh, I don't tweet about my social life or my kids and stuff like that. So if you if you want to know what I think about movies and, and horror and, and horror theory and monsters and the state of the nation, not politically, monstrously, uh, check me out at Dr. Walking Dead on Twitter. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for being here tonight. We'll look forward to catching up with you next week, I hope. I'm going on a family vacation for two weeks. So oh, okay. next Wednesday is a is a maybe. It's a very firm maybe. No sweat. No sweat. So, so if, for if two... Josh can broadcast from South America, I should be able to broadcast from Park City. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Take care. Have a good one. What's the film called? Catacombs. That's it? Just Catacombs? Yeah. Well, it's no Zombievers, but... Uh. (laughs) 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 All right. At this point, let's move into our feature review of Catacombs. 200 years ago, Paris ran out of room to bury its dead. Corpses were rotting in the streets. Graveyards were stacked like 15 bodies deep. Paris' dirty little secret. Do it. What kind of party is this? This is the kind of party that changes your life. Welcome to the catacombs! Is this legal? There's nothing about this that's legal. Okay, Catacombs is a 2007 film by Tom Cocker and David Elliott. They uh, co-wrote and co-directed the film together. It stars Shannon Sosaman and Pink and a lot of other folks that you don't see much of. This is mostly Shannon Sosaman running around in the dark is what this movie (laughs) predominantly is. Um, The poster says it's from the producers of Saw. But interestingly enough, Greg Hoffman, um, who is the producer of the first two Saw films, he died uh, during the production of this film and at the same time was producing Saw 3. And um, so this film got put on hold for about a year before they finished it, which is kind of an interesting little bit of trivia there. And the character Mark Hoffman in the Saw movies, uh, you know, in the, the detective that goes on to have some other interesting things happen to him. He was kind of a tribute to Greg Hoffman. They named that character Hoffman after him. So Um, this is a movie that I was just not at all on my radar until I heard that Dave was reviewing it. And I thought, Oh, I love as above. So below, I love the idea of a movie in the catacombs. So I thought I'll check this one out. And the poster didn't look particularly intriguing to me. And then as soon as it started, and I saw Shannon Sosaman. I, I, she is one of my all-time big 
like Hollywood crushes. I think her and Rosario Dawson are like my two top celebrity crush list. Right. So I thought, how did I not even hear about this movie? <laughs> Shannon Zosman's in it. And then, yeah, and I was totally surprised to see Pink in this movie, too. I'm not really a fan of, but I didn't know she was even an actress. So. Right. I, I didn't either until I saw her in this. That was kind of interesting. So this movie, I, I don't know. It's um, It's got its ups and downs for me. Um, I think it, in some ways, I feel like the whole screenplay, I can't imagine it being over 40 pages long because – not much happens in that middle section. There must be just no. 20 minutes where nothing new happens. That's that. That's one of my biggest gripes with the movie is that most of the really big stuff happens in the first half, and it really doesn't leave yeah. a lot for the second half. You know, and there are a couple interesting little, not even interesting. They cool looking. Um, set pieces like when she falls in the water I, yeah. I think that part looked cool and it was kind mm-hmm. of fun but there's so much that's just like okay we have the full setup then this happens then we have like a little twist and then the whole movie is just running in the dark and there's right. some cool run there's some cool running in the dark moments I suppose but- I, I guess and then there is one more encounter with with another individual and I kind of liked that setup where they couldn't okay. really communicate yeah. with each other although that right. doesn't really go that far with anything. Um, and I was surprised that the creature just disappeared by that point, you yes. know? Yeah. Well, which makes more sense at the end of the movie. Yes. But, once, um, once the ending comes along, it, it, it does make sense. But as you're watching it, you're like, okay, well, when is this thing, you know, it's going to pop up at some point or you're expecting it to pop up at some point. Yeah. So what happens is Shannon Sosaman is this American who goes on vacation to Paris to see her sister, Pink, who's there as a graduate student. That's really super believable. Right. So bone. And uh, <laughs> they go, they decide they're going to go to this kind of underground rave party in the French Paris catacombs. And it's pretty well organized rave. Like there's a full bar built into the walls, right? A giant stage. Like, and then, you know, later the cops raid the place and I'm like, what? Like, right. <laughs> there's no yeah. way they could be, have this much infrastructure if they're in danger of being shut down by the cops every, you know, every evening that they have these parties. But anyway, so she goes to the catacombs, she goes to this rager, she takes some absinthe and she goes off, uh, with her sister's friends into the, into the catacombs and they go skinny dipping and she doesn't want to go skinny dipping. And so she says, you know what? Forget you guys. I'm going to go off by myself and go back to the, the party. And, you know, terrible things ensue. I feel like we could plot wise, we could talk, go further and not spoil it. Except, like I said, nothing else really happens the rest of the movie. So no, you're right. It, like, do- it, it doesn't. It just. I, and I, I was into it. I was into it, you know, for the most part. I mean, I, I didn't think it was like the greatest movie I'd ever seen up to that point. But I, I liked I liked the setting. I, I love, you know, the, the 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 catacombs and. The fact that, yeah, okay, they have these parties there. They do mention at one point that they move them around all the time to avoid the cops. Well, I guess okay. this time they moved them in the wrong direction or something because, you know, that it, it didn't work out. But I always thought, yeah. It's, I that's not believable when you see that bar, though, because it's yeah. like. Oh, yeah, it's true because that's not just something you, that's not a makeshift bar. And there's other graphic, there's other production design that seems like it's permanent. And and since most of it seems like it's more of a corridor, this is one area that would be wide enough to have the party. 
And I'm guessing yes. I don't know how many of them there, how many rooms there are like that in the catacombs. Right. Seeing as we haven't seen any other one, as she was making her way through these things, you know, uh, half of the movie she's walking through them. You don't see any other area large enough to host a raid. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. And, and did you see As Above, So Below? I haven't, but I do want to. And mostly because of that setting. Yeah, and the setting, I think, in that movie is done much better than the setting here. It feels much more believable to me. And maybe it's just because I'd seen that film. So I'm, I am curious what your take on on it was, having not seen that movie. But this movie was shot on a set. Yeah. And I will say it felt to me like it was shot on a set. It felt like the old trick where they just go around the same corner 20 times. Mm -hmm. Like they had like two different hallway sets and they just reused them over and over and over again. Okay. Compared to As Above, So Below. Yeah. And and I haven't, I haven't seen As Above, So Below. Um, So the setting in this one, I kind of, I kind of liked it. And I kind of liked, well, I liked, it's the idea I liked more. The idea of setting. Well, I can it see down why I can see why you you would enjoy it because I I naturally like this kind of setting too. It's just when you compare it to that movie, it, it, they actually shot it in the Paris catacombs and it's right. so real. Like they shot it twenty five stories underground, like you know, and so you feel my my belief is that you feel the weight of that when you're watching that movie, and okay. I just never sense that here. Interesting. Now, one of my actual one of the scenes i did like the most is there's a setup where um this guy jean michel he's the one who hosts all the raves and uh, he's good friends with pink's character and they're down in the in this other sort of big room in the catacombs it's funny because this thing looks almost like a library uh (laughs) set up in the catacombs and they're talking to um uh, they're telling shannon saucer's character about this legend of a goat man uh, who was yes. supposedly this this antichrist who was born in the catacombs, raised in the catacombs, and he's he has this mask on of this goat, and he's there strictly to hunt down and kill anybody who may wander off or get lost uh, in the catacombs. And what it is is, as he's relating this story, we're getting these the sort of you know the, we've seen it before in horror movies the brief flashes, you know the sort of quick jumps yes. the, of this 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 uh, creature as a child, um, you know, sort of how he's being fed, how he's being treated and then he grew up and, and so forth. And I thought that was kind of cool. You know, that, that yeah. was like one of the more interesting scenes to me uh, in the movie. And of course, something comes to fruition from that. Um, but yes, you know, well, there are a lot of those kind of, I don't know if you call them flashback, but like little side flashes throughout mm-hmm. the film. Right. And, you know, you know, and they're kind of what Shannon Sosaman's character is imagining. They're really the only gory things in the film, if I'm not mistaken. No, yeah, like yeah, I, the, I would agree. The majority yeah. of the violence takes place in yes. those little side flashes. Yes, definitely. So the movie, although terrifying in a general sense, because you just have a woman in peril and it's dark, and also because you have kind of a gruesome antagonist, um, other than that, it's not too horrific um, yeah. in many ways. I also, I also think that just rave music is just so grating. Yeah. Like the worst <laughs> combination is just screaming with rave music in the background. Like, oh, like maybe it's just that I had a headache when I started watching it, but it wasn't right. a good combination. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, I think most of those when you get the the, the sort of if the rave is not a big part of the movie, that's just going to be this sort of generic 
music, the whole, and then the flashing and so forth. It's like, it, it's sort of the same thing. Like you feel like there's nothing so special. Is, you've seen it. You've seen it. Yeah. Other, other places, plenty of times before. Um, this to me felt like it could have been a really good short film that they tried to stretch to feature length and it just didn't quite make it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just not enough content there. Are, you know, there aren't enough twists and turns in the plot and because she doesn't have, you know, she does have one other encounter, but she doesn't have a lot of people to interact with. So you don't get much depth out of her character. We don't know what her problem really is. Right. Very true. They the don't, film. They so don't go into it. that. We see her taking medicine. Um, there's yeah. hints that, that she's that I don't even know that like from, from, from Pink's character talking out, you didn't even get the sense that it was this, this, this trauma. It was more of just like, well, this is how you are. You're sort of in yeah. a shell, you know, and then yeah. you didn't get the feeling that there was anything more severe than that. Um, yeah, and so you don't get much character. You don't get anything interesting out of her character necessarily. You don't get, um, you know, she's a good actress. You yeah. Know, again, I like she's she looks scared mm-hmm. and she, you know, she looks terrified and right. she runs well. But like, <laughs> then there's also there aren't any real plot twists. There are, but not. The, the character isn't encountering interesting obstacles along the way, really. It's just no. a lot of the same thing. It's just it's just this whole middle section of of, of running, you know? Yeah, and just shaky camera with flash lit by a flashlight. It's almost and there like, are a couple yeah. – there's some cool shots that come out of that, but it's just a lot of that to watch. Right. It's, it's what it is. And it's like, shot well. Like, I thought those were pretty cool moments. I mean, Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think, you know, it's – it's not. It wasn't a poorly constructed film. I think it was just sort of a, a poorly conceived film. You know, with with it, they just they started with what was a solid idea, and then realized, well, we don't have a, we don't have enough here. What can we do to sort of string this out a bit? Co-director Tom Coker. This is his only screen credit as a writer or director. He was a published comic book artist, I guess, for Marvel and DC before that. And then oh, okay. David Elliott. He's a uh, He's written Four Brothers, which is surprising because that's a pretty great movie. Yeah, that um, is a good movie. And he wrote wrote The Watcher, which is decent. Uh-huh. But he also wrote um, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. So. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Can't give him any credit for that. What? But, What's wrong with that? G.I. <laughs> Joe, The Rise of Cobra. <laughs> That's what brings Jay out of the out of the. There room. we go. That's yeah, right. Jay, now I'll talk Jay about. Was being, Jay was being quiet, but I, I guess once <laughs> we start talking about GI Joe, he's going. That's right. I'm in. <laughs> no, so, sorry, I had to step away for some Cocoa Krispies with my son, but I'm back. Oh, excellent. You share them with him? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> okay. As I mentioned, this they didn't film this in the actual Paris catacombs. They filmed this on a stage in Romania. They did get a few exterior shots. It looks nice. Um, you know, they did a good job for the shaky cam style. I, I like the look of the film generally. I don't love the rave stuff. Um, but other than that, I thought they did a great job, but it's just it's so light on story for me. Yeah. And I didn't love the pink character and the those group of friends that much. I thought they were a little grating, mm-hmm. but I did like Shannon Sosaman and and the main conceit of the film. And there was a there was a scene towards the very beginning that was that I thought it was setting something up um, that, again, like you said, never really went anywhere when they're walking up the stairs of that decrepit building that she's living in. Yes. And she's telling the story about the, 
the murders that occurred in the room. And you see Shannon Sussman sort of flashing to those and looking into that dark room, but then the camera looking out from it, you know, and looking yes. out from it at her. I thought, wow, this, this, this is creepy. I thought that was a creepy little moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes really early in the movie. Um, I think that's just meant to show th- how she internalizes like yes, the fear. Exactly. How, how she will let her, I don't want to say maybe imagination get the best of her, but it's kind of like that, you know, where, where yeah. she will, she'll, she'll picture something and in her mind, it will be, it'll be real because then, uh, cause pink just jumps in. She goes, look, I'm just, look, I'm only kidding. It never happened. It's just a crappy building, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. that's where you get the idea. Okay. Her character is sort of susceptible to, to these things, but it also, the way it was set up was effective. Like the way they shot that scene, I thought was effective and, and, even shooting out from that room. I yeah. like the way they did that. Okay. What do you say for catacombs, Dr. Shock? Yeah. I'm, I, for me, it's, it's going to come in just below average. I'll probably give it a 4.5. And uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say it's an avoid, but it's, I would say a lo- very low priority rental. Don't rush out to see it. Um, I liked the setting a little more than Josh, but then again, like I said, I haven't seen as above. So below, uh, as a comparison, uh, and um, the, it, it does have a few clever moments in it, but there are big sections where just not much happens, and then it's just running around the catacombs, yeah. and um, there, wow. there's too much of that. There's too much of that. Um, I feel like '90s horror fans. Like, if you're a fan of '90s horror, you might really dig this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right. That's true. So, yeah. So, I'll say 4.5. I'll say, you know, very low priority uh, rental. Okay, Josh. What do you say, Wolfman? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, you know, I. It's not that I didn't like the setting. I love the setting. Actually, mm-hmm. it's just it doesn't. It does not impact you the way As Above So Below does. That movie is so claustrophobic. And it feels it, because it is real. It feels so intense to me, um, right. and I just didn't get that out of this movie. It looks cool still, uh, but it's clearly shot on a stage, and that's a bummer. Um, this is also just another little bit of trivia. This was the first original production of FearNet. If you guys remember FearNet from yes. way yes. back a year, yes, yeah, when they went out of business, I guess mm-hmm. it was. Um, I used to I used to love Holliston, but. Uh, yeah, Fearnet. This was a original movie from from the, of theirs, and it premiered on Fearnet. And I guess Lionsgate was a collaborator on it as well. And it's got a big star in it, and a, a big music star that's in a weird role for her. And right, I'm surprised this wasn't on my radar a little bit more. But yeah. uh, maybe it's because the movie's not great. So right. I would give exactly. this a four point five as well. <laughs> I'd say it's a low priority rental as well. I would not pay for this though. Like right. I think I only paid two ninety nine for it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I would watch this if it was on Netflix, which it's currently not in the United States. But if you pass this on Netflix, it's worth checking out if you're bored. But it's not a movie I would really even pay for. Right. So, so uh, you said um four point five on that, right? Because uh, Skype was being a little bit buggy. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. So both of you, 4.5, oh, yeah, low priority rental. All right, at this point, we're going to hear Dr. Shock's review of Gabriel. Yeah, this movie is from 2007, directed by uh, Shane Abbess, A-B-B-E-S-S. I'm guessing that's how it's pronounced. And it is a story about, I guess, sort of an age-old story. This the war is being waged between uh, angels 
archangels, who in this movie are referred to as arcs, and uh, demons who are referred to as fallen. I guess there are like seven of each uh, on each side. And they're ba uh, waging a war in purgatory for the souls there. You know, these are in purgatory. I know in the in the Catholic religion, purgatory, and I guess it's it's not just Catholic, but uh, it's it's a place where um, the souls go who have not ready to be judged yet. Um, you know, they weren't good enough to go into heaven, but they weren't quite bad enough to go to hell. So they sort of exist in this in this darker realm of purgatory waiting for a time when they're going to be um, to be judged. And the Arcs and the Fallen are fighting for control of, of those souls. Now, what's happened, though, is the, um, the Fallen are, are winning the war. And um, the Arcs, what, for the Arcs to, to, to go there, to, to fight this war, they have to take on human form. And they're having a hard time with that. They're not really able to adjust like I think they thought they would. You know, they go there to fight this, this this battle and they're all keyed up to do it. And then when they start taking human form, they find themselves susceptible to human weaknesses, which wow. is not something they're ready for. <laughs> that sounds um, very familiar to me, Josh. Oh, does it? Yeah. <laughs> what movie? What movie? <laughs> right, yeah. just, just life in general. Actually. Oh, just life in general. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, one of the most interesting things about this movie was, uh, it was supposedly made the, the, the filmmaker, um, supposedly funded most of it out of his own, own pocket. Uh, it was made for, I want to say somewhere around $15,000. Um, now most of the actors, wow. and all of the crew deferred payment that certainly helped. Um, no, what was it? I'm not 15. Where, let me see. I do have it. In my uh, in my notes here, let me see. Oh, I'm sorry, 150,000. No, it's not 15. 150,000 is what it was made that's, for. That's a little better. Yeah, but um, <laughs> what it is is, um, so it is a low budget. It's an Australian movie, but he had everybody speak without an accent. You know, more, not even American, just more, I think they called it mid-Pacific or something like that. Um, you know, so as not to, I guess, give, so, sort of regionalize it. Um now the the movie does have a few um, weaknesses to it. Well, anyway, what happened? Let me. I'm sorry, I didn't even finish with the synopsis. Gabriel is the last angel, the last arc. He's the last one they got left, and he's come down. Now, the other arcs are still in purgatory, okay, but they're either no longer interested in fighting the war or have already been defeated. So he's the last one to come down. To fight the fallen, who still remain very strong, they still have all of their, um, all of their, uh, I guess, troops, if you want to call them that. And uh, Samuel is the uh, is their leader, and he's drawn power from all of the ones around him. To, you know, they're basically bringing the darkness to this world. And if they win, then the darkness will take over purgatory, and, and the light will never reach these these souls there. Um, so Gabriel is there, is their last hope. Uh, now th there are, to get into some of the weaknesses first, okay. Um, the special effects clearly, and that has to do, I think, directly with the low budget. Um, they're not, they're not bad. You just, you can tell they're obvious. You'd know when there are CGI effects on the screen. So 
they don't work, you know, because you can tell. All right. So they, they sort of will take you out of it in a way. Uh, they took me out of it anyway. Um, some of the action scenes are kind of flat. And I'm thinking mostly of the first one. As soon as Gabriel gets there, this one fallen um, Malok, uh, sort of a, a scary looking, you know, uh, demon um, uh, or fall one of the fallen is the first to challenge him. What happens is when Gabriel first arrives there, he doesn't realize, you know, he has, as an archangel, he, he has all of these feelings. He can sense everything around him. But what you have to do and what the other ones found out is you have to turn that off when you get there because you're announcing your presence to all of the fallen and they'll seek you out immediately. So he doesn't know that. And he gets down there and there's a scene where he's sort of struggling, all these voices hitting him at once. And immediately they show like all of these fallen sort of perking up and they know that, that he's arrived. Um, and that leads to this battle. The battle wasn't, I don't think stays very well. The camera was sort of kept back away from it, uh, from a distance. It doesn't really close in. So you're sort of seeing it at like, I guess a mid shot. It, it's just, it didn't really work. Um, but probably, and this is what makes it interesting for me mentioning it here. It is listed on IMDb as a horror movie. Um, but for me, this was definitely more fantasy adventure. Okay. It did not. It did not have any real horror elements in it, as far as I could see. Um, so this is just something for for a lot of people out there. If you're only into horror movies, then for me this this did not work. Now again, the one reason I'm mentioning it on here is because IMDb does list it as horror. So if you were somehow thinking of watching this movie, and if you and you're looking for like scares and so forth. Now, there are horror, you can always say there are horror elements in it whenever there's demons involved and whatnot. But for me, no, this is definitely feels like more of a fantasy adventure than it does a horror movie. I was just curious, had you seen the movie Legion uh, or Legion? Sorry. Yes, <laughs> I did. See, yes, the movie, the movie Legion, which dealt with the angels um, in that one. The it's angels. Yes. That, in that one, I think the angels were evil. They were the they were like the uh, the ones causing all of the problem, if I'm not mistaken. In Legion, yeah, I but can't remember. Actually, it wasn't really like angels <laughs> against demons. There was, was a, there was a, there was a, there was a battle between the angels and and the Earthlings. Yeah, I think that's what it was—the battle between the angels and the and the people. And we were more like following the people, and the angels were sort of the, uh, sort of the evil ones in that. This one, it's it's straight up. This is just like both. You know, the 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 people are just sort of there. Um, they're you don't really spend that much time with them. This is more. Um, for the arcs and and the uh, and the fallen, um, and it's what what really it, the things I mean. There is there's some action. Most of the action scenes do work. I told you about the one that didn't. There are some that do work. Um, you know, there's this this one battle with uh, this one um, fallen named Araman, who has become a drug dealer uh, to, in in purgatory and has created this this drug that he gives out to um, that he that he basically you know peddles to uh, to different people. Um, and he, there's a warehouse, him and his, his, I guess his minions or whatever they're, they're making this drug and, um, Gabriel shows up on the scene and they have a really well staged and very stylish, uh, battle that I, that I did enjoy. Um, you know, first off he, uh, Gabriel turns off the lights and so we, it's in darkness, but what we're seeing as they're firing automatic weapons, that's what they have here. That's what they use in this war is, is, you know, guns. Uh, automatic weapons and whatnot. The flashes from that is where we're seeing the action. So it's got like a strobe-like effect. Uh, so I kind of like that. 
Um, and <laughs> what and what he and what the director did to save on money. This entire movie was shot in abandoned buildings, and um, what is it? You like yeah, and, and it, it were shot in buildings that that were, uh, I guess, on the schedule to be destroyed. You know, so he 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 oh. did he he shot this in 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 those locations. You know, like dark alleys, abandoned buildings. All of that is so it definitely does bring this dark feeling to the place. You know, this this sort of That's dreariness cool. to it, and the, the the location is really well done. Okay, but but what really I think for me sold it is the fact that the way that it handles the the arcs in this that it has given them human form and they can't, they're having a hard time with it. One of the first scenes is Gabriel goes to visit this one arc named Uriel. Really good performance by his actor. His name is Harry Pavlidis, P-A-V-L-I-D-I-S. Really good performance by this guy. Um, he's given up on it completely. He is living in an abandoned trailer uh, in the middle of nowhere and he's a drunk. He just drinks all of the time. And he basically says to, to, to Gabriel, you know, you're new here. It's going to hit you. It, it's hard. This is not easy. And we're losing this. So that we're susceptible to the darkness. We're susceptible to the, to the human weaknesses. And it's even more so in this one. Um, uh, Amitiel um, is, is the one female or at least, the, the, you know, that, uh, that, that Gabriel meets up with. She lost her battle, and this uh, the demon um, said to, the head demon said to her, "Okay, well you've lost, so I'll kill you, or you give up your wings." Well, she gave up her wings, and basically is now working as a prostitute in a brothel. Um, and you know that it, and she has a line that it, it's, "We fall prey to the things we never even knew." You know, they have no knowledge for them since the dawn of time. It's been light. It's been it's been happiness. It's been light. It's been heaven. So they were completely out of their element going into this war, whereas the demons were completely in their element. Um, and I liked how it handled that. And you really do see. And then Gabriel finds himself succumbing to it. Um, and there is even a little bit of a, of a, of a twist at the end that I liked. So this is, again, it's not a horror movie. It's listed as horror on IMDb. That's why I'm bringing it up here. But if it's not, if, if you're looking strictly for a horror movie, it's not something that you're going to like. So if I'm looking at it as a horror movie, I can't recommend it. But as just a, a movie, I would probably give this like a 7.5. And I'd say mm. it's, it's definitely worth renting, definitely worth checking mm. out, um, mostly because of, you know, the, the, the way they carry on, on the story. Yeah, some of the dialogue is a little, you know, when you get into sort of a little, I guess I want to say biblical. So it could be a little heavy handed at times, but not really, because I think a lot of it is not. I think I think it's only in sections. Mm -hmm. um, but I do really like that whole dynamic that I thought that was very clever that you take these archangels, these these all powerful warriors of God and put them in a condition where they're just completely out of their element and and in human form, and then this is the re this is the result. I thought that was really I clever. The, I like that premise. I don't know what it is, but I love movies with big winged angels 
doing stuff. Okay. Well, you're not, you won't see, <laughs> you even, won't see any winged angels in this. You never, they never do okay. sprout any wings in, in this. So they're not well, even like in that, dogma but. when he cut, even in Kevin Smith's dogma when he cuts off his wings, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. I, I agree with um, you. I, there's this, there's this TV show Dominion on the Sci-Fi Channel, and mm-hmm. I had never even heard of it. It's funny as I'm looking it up right now. It's actually based on that TV uh, on the movie Legion, um, is what the show's based on. Oh, it's, I guess it takes place in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess season two is starting right now. Yes, I did. I saw that. I see ads for that. Yeah. Yeah, the ads for it are everywhere, and if you Google like Dominion, all hell breaks loose. That poster is what I've been seeing everywhere, and it just looks awesome to me. It looks ridiculous and awesome. And um, that's what I've been imagining the whole time you've been talking is that all hell breaks loose poster. Yeah, now this – you can tell – there are times you can tell this is is a low budget. Like I said, when it comes to the the, the effects, the CGI, even if it's something like a backdrop, like they'll throw a city backdrop in in, in there, and you can sort of tell – so I think you know it's just a shame. With one hundred fifty thousand, there just wasn't enough money in the budget to, to do CGI. Well, it's not it's not terrible. It's not going to be the worst CGI you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But because the world, because the setting is so strong, when they do use CGI, it sort of takes you out of it a little bit. I guess yeah. at least it took me out of it a little bit. Um, but but again, not enough for me not to to recommend it, not to not to have uh, not to have re- you know really gotten something out of it. And and for the listeners out there who want to track this down, the the way I was familiar with this film is I saw it in the Fallen Angel three movie collection that comes with Legion, Priest, and Gabriel, which hmm, was at my local grocery store hmm. for like seven fifty. And um, so oh, you might wow. be able to find it that way along with Legion and Priest. Speaking of those, anyway. Interesting. Yeah, Paul Bettany did a couple of those. He did. He was in both of those. He was in. I think he was in both Legion and Priest. Mm-hmm. I think Priest yes. was yep. made was made by this by the same filmmaker who made Legion. If I'm not mistaken, I think it, I think that was it anyway. Nice. Uh, but this is not a movie that's going to going to have that production value, obviously. So it's kind of strange that they've coupled this one. I mean, thematically, it makes sense. Oh yeah. But um, just from a from a filmmaking standpoint, you know, Gabriel and Legion had a lot more money behind them. Right. Um. Uh, but the, and this one did not. But I did really enjoy where they went with the story. Okay. So Doctor Shock says Gabriel from two thousand seven. Is a seven point five out of ten and a rental for regular movie viewing, but you cannot recommend it as a horror movie, right, Dave? I, I can't recommend it, despite what IMDb says. I, I just I can't recommend it as a horror movie. I, I there's I don't see anybody the, the demon even the even the fallen the, the, you know are not other than that one and and they're not particularly frightening. Um, mm-hmm. They have their own personalities and such. And so now it's not going to work if that's what you're looking for. If it, and of course, being a horror movie podcast, I understand I might be, um, you know, setting myself up here for bringing this up. But because it listed on IMDb, you know, sometimes it's it's I guess it's just as valuable to find out what's not horror that IMDb is telling you is. Yes, I believe um, in that. You know. Yeah, and so, case in yeah, point, I I, Black Rock, right, Josh? <laughs> just kidding. Uh, He's gonna <laughs> beat me up. All right. But yes, if you're looking just for an interesting an interesting movie, then it's worth checking out. Okay, guys, I have this list I wanted to share with you. I, I'm pulling a book out of the 
I'm pulling a page out of the book of Jay of the Dead, I guess, um, here. I wanted to share this list with you and get your reactions to it. <laughs> so this I found on IndieWire. And like Jay, I'm telling you this because I have a feeling you're going to hate this list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's the 25 best horror films of the 21st century so far, according to IndieWire. Oh, yes. Okay. And yo, Jay is going to hate this. I hope. I hope. I want to get your reactions to it. And I wanted to get Dave's reaction to it as well, because on our list, horrormoviepodcast.com, we have posted Dr. Shock's top 20 movies of the new millennium. Right. And all of Dave's top 20 come between 2000 and 2010, I believe. Yeah. Your honorable mentions have a couple from 2013 with The Conjuring. Mm Mm-hmm. And Evil Dead remake, but the rest of those are all 2000, 2010. So let's just compare your list in our minds um, with this list. You can tell me if some of these are newer, obviously, because this just came out at the end of last year. Uh, but I'm curious what you guys will think of it. I'm just going to brief, really quickly go through the numbers, and then you can give me your thoughts. Um, Number 25 is Orphan. Number um, 24 is The Ring. Okay. Number 23 is Your Next. Number 22, It Follows. Number 21, Barbarian Sound Studio. Okay. Number 20, We Are What We Are. Okay. Number 19, The House of the Devil. Now, so far, Jay, I bet you're thinking, well, I wouldn't hate this list. This is pretty decent. Right. List. Some, right. Of, some of it I hate, but yes. We, we, are, we are what we are. I probably would have put it on my list, but I think I didn't see that till after I put that list together. But that yeah. is a really good one. Number 18, Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Number 17, The Mist. Number 16, The Babadook. Okay. Number 15, Bug. Number 14, The Descent. Yes. Number 13, 28 Days Later. Yes. Mm-hmm. Number 12, The Devil's Backbone. Oh, that's a good one, yep. Number 11, The Others. Okay. So some of these are bad films, necessarily. No, no, no. no. So far, yeah, so far I can't really say too But much. we're we're closing in on our top 10 films of from 2000 to 2015. Let's okay. just keep that up. Accor- according to IndieWire, right? According to IndieWire. Number 10, Kill List. <laughs> Number 9, Cairo. Number 8, Black Swan. Oh, wow. Number 7, The Orphanage. Okay. Number 6, Trouble Every Day. Hmm, I'll have to watch that. It's on my list, that one. <laughs> Number 5, Let the Right One In. Right. Number 4, The Host. Which I like the host, but that's mind boggling to me that that came in. Yeah, that, that, you're talking about that, the that, Korean that. version, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. and I like it. I like Stephanie it a lot. <laughs> I like it a lot too, but yeah, that would not be number four. <laughs> I love this movie as well. I'm surprised this came up on anybody's list for anything, however. It's Michael Haneke's Time of the Wolf at number three. Wow. <laughs> wow. Have you guys seen that? It's basically mm-hmm. The Road. No, I, I didn't, but wow. okay, I've seen The Road. <laughs> it's it's the less intense version of the road. Okay. N- number two, under the skin, and number one, Mulholland Drive. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Mulholland. the number one horror movie of the 21st century so far is Mulholland I, Drive. I, I love Mulholland Drive, but I do. It's not horror. I don't no. consider that a horror movie. Not even close. <laughs> wow. I kind That's of hate their top yeah. ten. What the top it's ten is where it falls very apart. different from Dave's. 
Yeah, they, they, they don't have any of the. Um, geez, I can't imagine Juwan not being on there because well, just because personally, it scared that living hell out of me. But seriously, yes. you know, um, yeah, they, it's it's a it's a ver- it's a big it's a lack of of Asian horror. You don't see any Asian horror on there really, other than the ring, which is, and I'm sure they're talking the U S remake of that. It was the U S version. Yes. Yeah, so Cairo, I believe, but yeah, not much. Oh, Cairo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But other than that, you don't, it's, it's missing quite a few things. Wow. Yeah. That's, 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 that's the 10 is where it falls apart up to that point. It was, Oh, this is not, I mean, maybe a little low. I think the descent might've been a little low. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I think the ring is very low at 24. I think it follows in the Bobbinuck are a little low for me too. Yeah. 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 And maybe there's a recency bias on that, but Bug is too low too. I mean, I freaking love Bug. That movie's Bug so is disturbing. A good, yeah, that's the the William Friedkin one, right? Yeah, the one with um, yeah. Michael Shannon. Yeah, that that is a that is a strong movie. I agree with you. Amazing movie. Um what what is how do you spell Cairo? K A I R O. I just can't believe there's no Pulse. Rob Zombie at all. No, there's no, there's like, none. Of, yeah, no yeah, Devil's Rejects. No House of a Thousand Corpses. And you know what? How about yeah. um, French? There wasn't any of the French horror on there either, was there? Nothing. Not that I remember. And there's no, you know, you've got the Strangers on yours, Dave. Right. Um, yeah. Martyrs. I, I I didn't see um, that. I didn't see one of those pages, so it, it it had a few that I didn't think it did, like the orphanage. Right? Yeah, the orphanage is good. I thought they'd missed that one, so yeah, maybe it wasn't as bad as I had initially thought. And the Devil's Backbone is always a, a, a good choice. Um, the thing about it that caught my attention was um, the advertising for it. You know how they have like a little image up on the site? Yeah, and it says the twenty five best horror films of the twenty first century so far. It has one, two, three, four. Has eight images. Two of them are from Mulholland Drive. Wow. This is from Black Swan, and one is from Under the Skin. I was just like, ooh. And Black Swan is, wow. yeah, Black Swan is another one. I mean, I, I enjoy Black Swan, but I never, I didn't even know anybody considered it horror until after I'd seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm glad you know, Let the Right One In was in their top 10. I mean, at least yeah, that's. Yeah, that, at least that. That's that correct. It, and exactly. <laughs> and twenty eight days, twenty eight days later is in there, which I'm happy about. I understand why they did Cabin in the Woods. I mean, I understand why people um, respect that film. So that that's, and I'm happy Orphan and I made it. Tell you, I'm I, or or yeah, but I gotta tell you, I know a lot of people don't have sort of been hating on Cabin in the Woods. I I enjoyed Cabin in the Woods. Well. I think it's an interesting film to talk about and it's enjoyable to watch, but to make the top 25. Oh yeah. Um, no, I don't think it wouldn't make, it didn't make my, it didn't make my top list either. Crazy. And, and I had seen it by that point, by the time I put that list together, obviously. Uh, but I did enjoy cabin in the woods. You know, <laughs> I, I saw it in the theater. I really, I had fun with it, but no, I wouldn't put it in my top 25 either. See, I, I heard some cr- like horror critics not like Cabin in the Woods, and I heard them not like it because they, their sentiments were, in essence, that it was kind of disrespectful or making fun of the genre. But see, I think it was without question. So Bill Shetty said a celebration. Yeah. Uh, hey, I wasn't going to say I thought of it as a celebration. I think yeah, it's I a, of it, yeah. a celebration of the genre. He wasn't that's the only how one. I, that that's said how that. I. That's how I saw it too. I mean, you know, uh, horror fans have always been kind of 
you know, crapped on and, 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 and over the years just because, oh, you know, the, maybe you know, everyone sort of feels as if they're looked down upon because they're a horror fan. Well, let's not get all snooty. And, and when they make a movie like that, and now all of a sudden we get offended because it's, yeah, you know, I I didn't look at it as as making fun of it. You know, I just thought yeah. I was with I'm with you, Jay. I thought it was more like, hey, let's it did something interesting with it. You yeah, know, it I like think an interesting spin on it. You can tell that the the filmmakers actually love horror films and are very familiar with it. And by the way, yeah, Bill Shetty was not the only one who said that. There, I no, know no, of no. at least I've, two I've other, people other people. Yeah. Who, who yeah, said that as well, people. but mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's just the opposite, but yeah, I wouldn't made my top for the decade, but still, no. this is interesting. It's an interesting list. The orphanage. Okay. There's the, there's orphan and then there's the orphanage. I like them both, but I think the orphanage is very underrated, underappreciated. It's amazing how scary yeah. that movie yeah, is. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. So I'm glad I got some recognition. Okay. Right. Well, it's not it's not terrible. It's not quite as bad as that New York Times thing. But <laughs> it's, you know, they definitely Mulholland Drive is number 1. That's uh That's nuts. But Kill List, okay. Kill List, the um the third act. I mean, that that third portion of Kill List, yeah, I think is totally strong enough to be in a list like this, but like the, the first third of it it's just basically kind of a drama. So it's it's weird how that movie's structured. But if horror fans out there have not seen Kill List from 2011, that's a must watch, I think. Okay. Have you seen that, Dave? Yeah, no, I haven't. I, I do remember you talking about it. Oh, man. It sticks with you for a while, huh, Josh? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one will. <laughs> <laughs> Here are the pull quotes from the art where, you know, where they quoted critics. Somebody said, we'll leave your bones rattling. Another person says, nerve shredding, awesome, diabolical, as as it is brilliant. And another one says, we'll, we'll unhinge even the most hardened of genre fans. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. Cool. So. Okay, just one more time. I just want to give you a reminder about this. I wonder if you could do us a favor. If you're a fan of Dr. Walking Dead, if you love Kyle Bishop like we all do, then uh, please help him out and go ahead and show your appreciation by giving his book, American Zombie Gothic, a positive review on barnesandnoble.com. I'll have it linked in the show notes. It's very simple to leave a review once you sign up for the account, which takes 15 seconds, by the way, super fast. Make sure you re-sign into the site in order to leave a review. Because the fact of the matter is, I do not pay him anything to appear on horror movie podcast and he's extremely busy and i'll tell you what we'll do within the next two weeks what we'll do is we'll go in and look at the reviews i don't know whether we'll do a random drawing or kyle will pick his favorite (laughs) but basically what we'll do is we will choose one lucky reviewer that will win a free horror movie podcast t-shirt of your choice. That's right. Those are still coming. The reason there has been further delays is because I wasn't happy with the end product. So I'm telling you right now that both shirts are going to be great. There are two options and um, we're going to make sure you're pleased. So anyway, if you leave a review for Kyle, one of those people will get a free horror movie podcast t-shirt. So it'll be linked in the show notes. It'll be super convenient for you. It'll take you right there to the page. Thank you. 
you had said something like, what did you say, Jay? You I said, said we're like, going to uh, be, yeah, like old men sitting around telling, you know, a okay. bunch of stories. It's interesting you say that because um, our listeners were talking about that on the website this week over at horrormoviepodcast.com. Uh, Dino from Cincinnati, he wrote... I know this deviates from the pure movie genre discussion theme of the show, but I'd love to hear more ghost stories incorporated into future episodes. Mm. And then David from Scarborough writes, um, the host relating creepy real life stories, possible paranormal events, and even scary dreams has to be one of my favorite types of tangent on the show. <laughs> I wish they didn't introduce a campfire tales segment or they'd tell those kinds of stories. And if they run out of them, they could just get the listeners to write in about their own eerie experiences. Hmm. I know I've had a few brushes with the unexplained, just generally creepy in my time. And I'm sure lots of other folks have too. So I thought this was actually a, a great idea. That is a good idea. Yes. Why don't we go to the listeners to send in your eerie stories? And if we, we can pick out our favorites and read them uh, as a segment on our Frankensteinian episodes from time to time if we're a little low on other content. And um, it just so happens that Juan wrote about his own bear experience um, <laughs> you know, on our Grizzly Zone episode. Juan left his own kind of grizzly story that a lot of the listeners were enjoying over at the website. And so I thought maybe we could read that for our first Campfire Tales episode or segment. And... Um, <laughs> And then if the listeners want to send theirs in the future, I, my only thing I would say is if they're going to do it, they have to be real. Like yes. only the true stories. We don't right. want any made up garbage. This is real horror. Right. Or it could be real as William Rowan's was real as told to him. Yeah. By his grandfather. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, we yep. saw the pictures in the show notes of Bruno the bear. So yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Jay, do you want to read Juan's story? You got it. My pleasure. It's an honor. Here goes. Bear story time. A few years back, a group of friends and I drove up to Arapahoe National Forest in Colorado for a week of hiking and exploring. We knew an encounter with a black bear might be a possibility, especially if we ventured deep into the forest past the path one's supposed to stay on. So we took a few knives yeah right like that's gonna help he writes and bear spray <laughs> which we purchased but forgot in the car <laughs> that's perfect we made our way into the forest and a couple of days go by on the third and last night we set up camp like usual we put our food high on a tree away from us and we even have a nice fire going don't worry, we didn't burn down the forest. We also have a big group, nine people to be exact, and having read that bears tend not to go near big groups of people, gave everyone peace of mind. The tents are up, the fire's burning, our bellies are full of sustenance, and our tired bodies are ready for a good night's sleep. Sometime during the night... <laughs> he says, sometimes during the night... The friend that I was sleeping next to starts screaming to the top of his lungs. I wake up, still half asleep, but with my heart going a million beats a minute. I look at him and ask him what's wrong. He doesn't look back. He has a blank stare, and he's still screaming very loud. At this point, I'm really scared, and I even thought to myself, 
He's this guy's dying. <laughs> I grabbed my friend, yelled out his name a few times, and shook him to try to get him to tell me what was wrong. He finally looks back at me and says, Bear! <laughs> he keeps making noise and starts to shake the tent and tells everyone to do the same. The other two guys that were with us in the tent take out their knives and poke their faces out of the tent. The second tent next to ours started yelling and asking us what was happening. It's total chaos for a few minutes. And I'm not going to lie, I was scared. <laughs> and then he uses some more ex expletives. He says, <laughs> he says, everything goes quiet eventually. And after a few minutes of looking at each other and whispering what we were going to do, if in fact there was a bear out there, we finally decided to step out of the tent. There was nothing. No trace of anything, no tracks, nothing. After a lot of bickering amongst ourselves, we started laughing and making fun of my friend for causing all of that. We decided that it must have been the wind pushing the tent against his head, but he insists to this day that something big was breathing on him. <laughs> Bigfoot. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's right. He says, the next morning we packed our things and headed down to the car, still talking about it and laughing about what had happened the previous night. On our way back to the hotel, we came across some small town where tons of cars were pulling over to the side and a multitude of people were gathering around to see something. We pulled over and went over to check things out. It turns out that it was a black bear that everyone was staring at. <laughs> he said, what a coincidence. He, he was just chilling and yawning on top of a rock near a restaurant. We started laughing, and one of my friends yelled, Get to the chopper! <laughs> I love that. That's Schwarzenegger quote. That is so great. Making fun of the guy who caused all the ruckus the night before. So we weren't attacked by a bear, and we didn't even have a close encounter but we did get to see one safely from a distance. The end. <laughs> Thanks, Juan. That was excellent. <laughs> yeah, but I, the, the part of that that gets you is the guy screaming. I mean, when you wake up to something like that. That's oh, the worst. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I've, I've not, I can't recall. I, th I, I may have had something like that in my life. I don't recall it right now, but I can immediately, uh, like, relate to that. Like, what would you do? I mean, what, what do you, somebody screaming at the time, you don't know what's happening. You don't know what. And, and then you've got to deal with him and you've got to deal with what could be that's, that is terrifying well, I mean, that's the terrifying part of that for me anyway absolutely well there, there's this yeah. thing there's this documentary out it's called The Nightmare and it's it's about oh, I can't wait. have you seen this? <laughs> no but uh, we should oh we should talk about it Josh because I should see it and then we should talk it about it huge at Sundance and everything uh, this last year. Yeah, I'm dying to see this. This is supposed to be the very first real horror documentary. Wow. Let's, you know, I heard, I heard David Chin on the Slash Filmcast review it, and, I, you know, it kind of took the wind out of my sails for it, but Josh, let's just review it next week on this show. What do you okay. say? Okay, I didn't even know it was available yet. I've been dying to see it since I heard about it. Okay, nice. Real quick, and I don't, I just want to, I've not actually told this to anybody. It was about maybe five months ago. I did have a situation with a nightmare that really kind of shook me a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I was, it was actually, no, it was probably more than five months ago because it was around the holidays. 
uh, it was leading up to Christmas time. And what happened was I had fallen asleep on the couch. But and while I, when I fell asleep, my wife was on the ground wrapping gifts for like our uh, extended family. And the two kids were over on the love seat watching television. So I fell asleep, but it was one of those things where I was still sort of aware of what was around me. Mm-hmm. Because I could hear my wife sort of talking to me and the kids laughing, almost like they were sort of making fun of me, like I was sort of half asleep, right? <laughs> well, all of a sudden, my wife gets up, and this is again, and I don't know if I'm in a dream, I don't know what's going on, but walks over and is standing over me, and then just starts like, like, almost like growling in a way, you know? And it, I, at first, it was, at first it was sort of mocking, but then it got to be like really sort of intense growling. That sounds like my everyday life. Right. <laughs> but this was just like this was just like 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 the heavy breathing growling and the kids are still cracking up. They're still over on the couch or on the love seat. They're cracking up. <laughs> well then all of a sudden it starts poking at my head and I can feel this. I can feel, you know, when my I can feel my head being poked at. Like I can feel the poking. All of a sudden whew, like a swipe with the nails and it wakes me up and I was about to get really angry and I looked the clock it was 3 a.m. and I was completely by myself <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> wow that's amazing dude this I, I know that this is a tangent but I guess that's what this segment was all about yeah um, I had a real life experience similar to that where um, I had a roommate and I introduced him to scary movies he just never watched them growing up he didn't know anything about them really we got into them we actually wrote a screenplay together it was the first screenplay i ever attempted to write it was a slasher uh set at a ski resort but um i introduced him to scream and that was like the movie that kicked it off for him and then he he loved horror movies after that but one night i'm asleep and i wake up and to this like cackling laughing just like ha 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 like just like Vincent Price on the Thriller album kind of wow. laughing mm-hmm. and and I'm you know my eyes are foggy and I'm trying to like wake up and I'm, I'm really bad at waking up and I'm just like what is going on and he's standing over my bed with a knife in his hand this head thrown back just like <laughs> laughing and hysterically oh my god and I wake up and I jump back and I hit the wall and I'm totally freaked out. And then he just busts out laughing like it was just a weird prank he decided to pull on me at like two in the morning one night because I guess he was still awake. And oh, he just thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I, I couldn't really do anything about it. So like, you know, like I'm stuck as roommates with him and he was my friend. But I was always scared going to bed after that. So I wrote this little note and I carried it in my in my wallet for probably five or six years after that I just wrote on the piece of paper if I'm found murdered it was this guy and I put it in my wallet (laughs) (laughs) and I just carried that around and it was still in there like five years later I found it and I was like oh yeah this that's hilarious that that is pretty funny Josh seriously he he needed an ass whooping like (laughs) uh, that that's you can't do stuff like that That, that, yeah especially as somebody who's 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 a fan of horror movies and he knows he's a fan of horror movies because that's like the one thing that you're gonna fall for every time that's right yeah i would have murdered him under normal circumstances but um i was afraid he was gonna murder me so right you know 
Well, the reason yeah. I, I brought up um, the Nightmare documentary, now um, sleep paralysis is this weird phenomenon, which we'll talk about next week. But I do have this thing, which is greatly overshadowed by what you guys just talked about. But sometimes I will be half asleep and half awake. And so I will actually see things that I am would bet my life are real. But I'm actually dreaming those. And yet I am also still conscious and awake. And, and so, Isn't like, that like what sleepwalking stems from, actually? Oh, I, I think so. It's 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 just started happening to me within the last couple of years. But I have actually. It can be stress induced, dude. Like, you should <laughs> seriously get that checked out. That have you ever heard Mike Birbiglia's Sleepwalk with Me? Yes, story? I, I watched the film actually because Where he of you. dives out the window. Yes, because of you. Yes. Mm-hmm. That really happened to him. He really dove out a window because he wow. was. I know. He was being. Yeah, you got to be careful with <laughs> no, that, dude. No, I know. Well, the thing is. When that happens to me, I will... The things that I see in my room, my bedroom, are just horrifying. And, and like, one one lesser example was, like, there was, like, this giant, like, wasp, you know, a giant insect, like, hovering beside me. And I had to, like, swing at it. I was swinging at it in my sleep. Just like Mike Birbiglia, oh. yes. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, serious business, this nightmare stuff. Yeah, definitely. But definitely, the worst thing that ever happened to me was when I had my car accident. I had to go in for emergency surgery, um, and so they administered the the anesthetic. Uh, and I, what happened was, I became aware before I could move. I was I was <laughs> alert like 15 minutes before I was able to even wiggle my toe. I was alert. Wow. Now, what I heard was the nurses saying, oh, let's get his wedding ring off. Let's shave him. And I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't even gone in for surgery yet. That was my fear. Oh. For 15 minutes, I sat there. It turned out I was out of surgery. Thank goodness. But my family was standing around me. And I, I could hear everything they were saying, but I could not even budge. It was like I was completely frozen. I didn't know if I was in a coma. I didn't know anything about that. So... When I finally started to wiggle my toe, my wife noticed it. She noticed me wiggling my toe. She goes, oh, he's wiggling his toe. And the doctor goes, that's probably just a nervous reaction. He's, he's still out. My father goes, yeah, don't, yeah, he's, he's still out. Don't, don't even pay any attention to that. I'm sitting there going, use SOBs. It took me 15 minutes to wiggle my damn toe, and you're not even going to pay any attention to me. I mean, it took, it took a while. Finally, I started twitching my arm. I just started twitching my arm, and then they finally realized, oh, he's coming out. <laughs> but... It was a good 15 minutes. I could hear the nurses saying, oh, let's shave him. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, it looks like he shaved here. Oh, look, uh, let's, let's you know, missed a little spot here. Let's get his ring off. That should have been off already. Let's hope the doctors didn't see that. Things like that. I, I heard all of that. And my biggest wow. fear was that I was not yet going into surgery. Once I realized I had been in surgery, I sort of calmed down. But then it was like, am I in a coma? <laughs> Oh, that's really scary stuff. <laughs> yeah, and there are, there are movies about that too. About yeah, there are, and I'm, and now that's awake. my now that is now my single biggest fear about ever going in for operations or what that 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 would because you hear that happen all the time of people who are still alert and they're alert for the entire operation. Yeah, an, <sighs> anesthetic awareness is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. there's a 2007 movie and called that is, And they and they come out. Some people come out of that very messed up. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, 
Yeah, I would always get local anesthetic whenever possible. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, there are also people who die just from having some kind of, you know, unfortunate well, reaction to the drugs. And and then sometimes, you know, people who wake up early. And fortunately, the only time, well, that did happen to me once. And it is pretty horrific because I was having a colonoscopy. I woke up in the middle of that. Oh. And that was not pleasant. It was not pleasant. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm cringing and cringing. And they said, oh, okay, we're almost done, almost done. No, almost done, don't cut it when you wake up in the middle of that. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing. It's not funny. No, it's, it's terrible. Well, now it is. It's been four years, so I can laugh about though. it now, but yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, anyway, that's a taste of uh, a new segment where we basically, as I said, become old men and just talk about our war tales. So, I, I hope right. people are enjoying it. I certainly enjoyed Juan's story, so thanks for Yes, definitely. Thank you. And, and if anybody else has one, definitely share them with us. Yeah. And we'll bring, we'll use one. What it is is, if we have any to tell of our of our own, we'll tell them, and then we'll try to introduce one of the, uh, at least one of the listeners as well. And as a matter of just um, episode format and structure, I think in the future, in case people don't love our storytelling once in a while, because I do, I do like it being a movie centric podcast. Of course, I think we'll just include them, start putting that kind of toward the end of the episode in case people don't want to hear it we'll have the movie okay. coverage first and then the stories in the the very end fair enough nice all right well i think that just about wraps up episode 62 of horror movie podcast this was a frankensteinian episode which is just a hodgepodge of all kinds of madness and our other type of episode that we do is our themed episode so if you're new to the show we hope you'll check out one of those as well we go around to my co-hosts grateful they were here and i just want to hear what kind of plugs you have so the listeners can follow you check out your work and your other podcasts what do you got wolfman josh check me out on twitter at icarus arts and we can connect i'm also on movie streamcast i'm trying to get dave and jay on that show soon and i will definitely let this audience know when they'll be on it and um you can also hear me over on the sci-fi podcast occasionally as well. Nice. Okay. And Dr. Shock. Uh, well, obviously, DVDinfatuation.com. I am right now six movies away from 1,800, so I'm getting close to another milestone. So, yep, check me out there. Twitter, at DVDinfatuation. Um, I'm on the Land of the Creeps podcast. Check me out. I think that's landofthecreeps.blogspot.com with uh, Greg Amortis, uh, Jesse Robbins, and uh, Haddonfield Hatchet, and Justin Beam every now and again. And uh, I do have a Facebook page, and I just haven't learned that URL yet, but Jay has it in the show notes. So <laughs> just check it out there. That's right. And as for me, I'd love it if you check out my uh, other podcast. It's called Movie Podcast Weekly. I'm really proud of it. It's kind of zany. It's a little bit more relaxed than horror movie podcast, if you can imagine that. <laughs> or should I say, it's less in-depth than this one. We cover all genres, not just horror, but like everything, especially the new releases that are in theaters. So each week we bring you movie reviews of new releases. So check out moviepodcastweekly.com. We love your comments. You can get involved in the horror movie podcast community by uh, leaving us a message in the show notes for this episode. Or you can email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. My favorite way to get feedback is for voicemails. So you can call 801-382-8789. 
You can find all of our episodes, everything we've produced at horrormoviepodcast.com where we have all 62 episodes of this show and then you can also find the back archives of our first incarnation of the weekly horror movie podcast and then the second incarnation horror metropolis you can subscribe free in itunes and you can follow us on twitter at horror movie cast and i want to thank fred ingram for the use of his music for the horror movie podcast theme song You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. I'll have it linked in the show notes for episode 62 here. And I think that's just about it. So on behalf of my good pals, Dr. Shock, Wolfman Josh, and Dr. Walking Dead, I am your host, Jay of the Dead. And you can join us again next Friday for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Zombie bird contaminated by toxic goo, a random genetic mistake. They're semi aquatic, they're hungry for you, boys and girls. Stay away from the lake. Say goodbye to your golden retriever. Bye.